You want your child to attend a good college and you want the investment of time and money to be worthwhile. But you don't want to send your child to a college where they won't succeed or get a degree that won't provide them with a meaningful career. How do you find a college that can do all this? The solution is to focus on student outcomes after college. The best way to do this is to apply Ingenious Learning's 5-10-20 rule. You're listening to Future Proof Kids, the guidebook for designing your child's future. The best college or the best college outcome? That's really the question that you need to ask yourself when you set about searching for college. See, traditional college planners focus too much on getting you into the quote-unquote best college. Just go there, everything will be fine, they say. You'll grow into it, you'll find yourself. Unfortunately, this mindset has led to some terrible outcomes for students. Currently in the U.S., colleges have some real problems. 30% of first-year students drop out before their sophomore year, and 54% of all students drop out before getting a degree. If you're a bit math adverse, that means that just 46% of those who start college finish. As the statistics show, the advice to attend the best college has led to some very poor outcomes for students. Looks great for college planners when they get to send all their kids to Stanford, Harvard, Yale, but not so good for kids. The other thing to recognize when we're searching for colleges is that the college ranking lists have really ruined student outcomes. See what happens when you're searching for a college, students and parents come across these college ranking websites. One of the most popular is usnews.com and they have all kinds of rankings. One of the ones that they recently did was the top five colleges in America. That's Princeton, Harvard, Columbia, MIT, and then Yale. So according to this group of college experts, These colleges were the best of the best. But the best for whom? Best for business school? Best for liberal arts? Best for engineering? Best if you're still undecided and you need time to find your way? How about a student looking for a small school experience? Or maybe you want to go to a school with a great sports program. Would you like to do meaningful research or attend a technical college and get your hands dirty? How can a general list of colleges meet your specific needs? And the answer is that it can't. See, college lists are written by someone else for someone else and for a purpose other than to help you find your best fit. Websites are in the business of getting views, not personalizing college searches. So titles like best colleges in America are going to get clicks. The result that these lists are trying to categorize colleges into a one-size-fits-all solution. And you know how well one-size-fits-all pants fit, right? So the thing to think about here is long-term, not short-term. That getting through college is better than getting to college. So you got into an Ivy League. That's great. But did you graduate? Did you get into a top engineering school? Great, but did you graduate? That's the critical issue. And the current system is only designed to get you to the best college, where we should be concerned with getting you to and through college, 
Now, also, we want you to have a degree to help you achieve your objectives and have a positive ROI. So this concept of looking beyond college is called future planning, and it will dramatically change how you approach your college search. To successfully plan for your future, you need to look at five-year graduation rates. Can you get into the school and get out within a reasonable amount of time? Longer you go, the more unlikely it is for you to graduate. Okay, great, you're gonna graduate. Now, what's the degree return on investment? Is it five years, 10 years, 20 years? What is that number? And then the other thing we need to look at is going to be the 20-year prospects for these different majors and sectors that you would be going into. So when you look at college outcomes this way, your success rate at getting to and through college improves dramatically. So remember, future planning is going to be much, much better than college planning. The college search process is broken. Statistics prove that the current method of searching for colleges doesn't work. Current search methods rely primarily on the opinions of others. While this type of information can be a small part of your decision-making process, it shouldn't be the cornerstone of your search methodology. To understand why the old system doesn't work, let's break it down. So the current system is when you search for college, they're going to use three terms. Uh, reach college, target colleges, and safety colleges. Now, these three terms divide schools into different categories. Unfortunately, the categories are not very detailed, and the terms do more harm than good. So let's explore how. So reach schools are your dream schools that you really aren't probably good enough to get into, but you hope to get into anyway. Everyone, when they get into their so-called reach school, they get really excited, like, oh my God, I, I got in, I hope I make it. Well, think about the term reach school. The term means that the school is too hard for you and you don't fit in. So if that's the case, why apply at all? Why would you apply to a school where almost everyone had better grades and better test scores? You would be at the bottom. Every day would be a struggle. But see, the old school guidance counselors say, that's okay, you'll make it. Look at what a great college this is. It's at the top of a list on such and such website. Yeah, well, how good have those college counselors done versus the stats? The stats are very, very bad for, for that type of searching uh, for colleges. So the next type is target schools. And these are places where you should be accepted. But unfortunately, it's not your dream school. And it's certainly not the dreaded and highly embarrassing safety school, which we'll cover in a second. So even if there's schools where you should do well, it's still not your dream school. And it's always going to be ranked as a secondary choice in your mind. When I first started advising kids, I had a brilliant student named Colleen. Colleen targeted every single Ivy school and got accepted into Yale and Columbia. Those were her target schools, but got rejected at Princeton, which was her reach school. Even though Yale and Columbia are still in that top five, according to usnews.com, they weren't Colleen's first choice and therefore occupied a different place in her mind. Despite graduating from Yale four years later, she was never totally happy because it wasn't Princeton. That's sad, but it's true. So what a horrible way to go to school because you're always looking at something else. 
Now, if you want to read a little bit more about this concept of fitting in, uh, check out Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath. And there's a, a thing called the Big Fish Little Pond Effect. He talks about it for college admissions. It fits perfectly here. All right, so the final category is safety schools. So if you get rejections everywhere else, there's your dreaded safety school is your only option. So safety schools are classified in the old system as a place you can always fall back on if the colleges you want to go don't accept you. But see, two bad things happen when you're forced to kind of slum it at your safety school. You become a safety school apologist for one. All conversations about the place you went to college start with, you know, for a safety school, it's not so bad. Second, you develop a severe case of school FOMO, that fear of missing out. You're convinced that better things will happen at another school where you weren't accepted. So safety school students are constantly considered upgrading. Uh, I mean, transferring to a better college. You know, how can you have the experience and get everything you deserve if you're constantly looking elsewhere? In addition to school FOMO, safety school students often have trouble finding their people. I mean, think about it. How, how are you supposed to find someone at your school who is like you? But when you categorize schools in kind of that, you know, three-way reach and target and safety, technically all the safety kids are beneath you. So it, it's sad, and, and I think it's a horrible way to do it. And I used to do this 35 years ago, but I've learned through trial and error that those three systems don't work. So let's take a look at some ways that it doesn't work, right? And, and the first thing to realize, let's recenter ourselves. The key to success is finding the best combination of the right college and the right major. You need to find this balance between earning a college degree and achieving your career goals. To do this, you need to find out which colleges have high graduation rates and the best chance of a solid ROI, return on investment in your future. That reach, target, and safety system doesn't give you any detail. It's completely open-ended and really is based on someone else's opinion, which we've talked about, doesn't have a place. So without all that detail, the likelihood of failure is high. Now, with the skyrocketing costs of college, it simply doesn't make sense to spend several years going to college without graduating. That college degree is that key that unlocks so many different doors. You can do all of the classes except for one, not get your degree. You're going to have almost all the same knowledge, but that there's that little piece of paper that still means an awful lot to some pretty big companies. So if you're going to go to the trouble, we need to get you to graduate. Currently, the stats on graduation, dropout rates, and college debt at U.S. schools are bad. It's really bad. So aside from high dropout and low grad rates, the average ROI for college takes 20 years before it becomes positive. 20 years. So you start at 18, you graduate 22, 23. It's not till 43 that college becomes an investment in your future. Up until that, it's just a big expense. So another horribly sad stat that there are 7,588 different majors at U.S. colleges where the ROI becomes positive only after the average age of death. We're not talking about any small colleges here. Brown, Duke, NYU, University of Pennsylvania, just to name a few, all have several majors with a negative ROI. 
One of the most disappointing colleges for student outcomes is UCLA. UCLA has 11 out of its 54 programs. The ROI never turns positive. That's 20% of the majors. So some of those majors, architecture, area studies, biology, classical and ancient studies, dance, fine and studio arts, geological and earth sciences, history, music, physiology, psychology. Now what's amazing here, UCLA, regularly leads the nation in the highest number of applicants. 168,000 people applied to UCLA in 2021, and 20% of their majors are not going to have a return on investment that ever turns positive. You got to wonder why are all these kids applying, and it's because of those lists. So we have to look for a better way to search for colleges, and the very best way that I can tell you is to look at student outcomes. The other thing is, what will the college do for you? Really, that's what's important here, right? What is me putting my time and money into this place? What's going to happen for me? So when we apply to colleges, though, the focus is primarily on what you can offer the college. You write essays. You talk about how wonderful the school is and that it's going to be so meaningful and you can't wait to be a part of this. And you're more or less doing everything possible. You're almost begging to get into the school. You took rigorous classes in high school. You get good grades. You study for the ACT and SAT. You join clubs. You pick a number of things that say, pick me, pick me. And in reality, you should just be focused on, hey, school, what are you going to do for me? The school should be fighting for you, not the other way around. But that's not the way the game is played right now. Colleges, they have some pretty savvy marketing people who have been able to flip your perspective and they're getting us to think about what we should do for them instead of what should they should do for us. Pretty sinister. I've come up with this formula. It's 5-10-20 rule. It's going to avoid the problems of the past and we're going to look forward at student outcomes as our goal. So you can go to my website. So it would be in geniuslearning.com. Then you see the college prep menu and you're going to find all the information you need on how to search for colleges. We're going to take a look at a couple of different things. And this database that I've got for you has got majors, five-year graduation rates, the positive ROI at 10 years, the earnings over 20 years. And then just for fun, I threw in the lifetime return on investment. Pretty interesting just to see the over the course of 20 plus years, what, what you can expect to be earning from certain majors. It's pretty eye-opening. So when we first look at this, we have to look at what's the five in the 5-10-20 rule. And the five represents the percentage of students who graduate in less than five years. So we're looking for that percentage of students who graduate in less than five years. The current U.S. average for students graduating in less than five years is 63.8%. Now, for decades, four years was the norm, but the time required to complete your education has gradually increased and five years is now closer to the norm. You got to think about if I've got to go more than five years, it's a huge financial strain. Imagine going six or seven, which happens at some schools. College can be the best time of your life. It can also be really costly if you're there forever, not with the right purpose. So uh, make sure you can and want to afford the cost of your college education. If that's not part of your 
DNA here. You're not wired this way. College is maybe not going to be for you. We want to search for colleges where the average graduation rate is above that 63.8. And my threshold is 70%. I'm looking for schools that graduate 70% of its students within five years. So I think that this is a pretty critical indicator. It's going to help you avoid overpaying for an education that may not live to your expectations. You may come across a great option, by the way, that has low grad rates. Maybe it is 60%. Maybe it's 55%. Maybe keep it in contention, but it is going to be cause for concern. Why is that? It's going to give you a reason to go do some more research. Why are the grad rates so low? Colleges know this number, and they're going to have a pretty good um, answer for you. The question is, is that answer done by the marketing department or is it done by someone else who's going to be a little more truthful? So the second number in the 51020 rule is 10. And 10 represents your threshold for a positive ROI. So a positive ROI in less than 10 years after graduation means your earnings exceed your investment. If I've got to put $100,000 to go into college, and I come out with a degree that I'm going to be able to earn a certain amount of money beyond what I would normally earn because of that degree, and I can do that inside of 10 years or before 33, the money that I spent for college is an investment. If I have to go five or six years, I've got to make a little bit more money to make certain that that ROI pays off. So there's a couple ways to kind of search for things here. We always have to just be wary of a college and a degree program where the ROI takes longer than 10 years to turn positive. So just like low graduation rate, if you come across a college that doesn't have this ROI by 10 years, do some investigation. If it's a school that seems to be really perfect, don't toss it out. It's just an average. It doesn't mean it's going to happen to you, but we have to understand why that is. Colleges are well aware of student outcomes. And if they continue to sell you a degree that never pays off, then this college degree is truly an expense and not an investment. The final category in the 5, 10, 20 is 20. And this is the 20-year outlook for this field of study. Are you taking a major in an emerging field with good job prospects? Will this major place you in a field where you can work for the next 20 years and feel pretty confident that, that you're going to have a long career there? Or are you studying a subject with poor historical performance or maybe even limited prospects? Now they, whoever they are, say, do what you love and you will never work a day in your life. <laughs> that might be true. If you have the means to support yourself, it's true. Unfortunately, many who follow that advice, you know, do what you love, love your job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, but they have to take a second job to earn enough money so they can love their first job. When choosing a field of study, your future becomes a little easier if the thing that you love is this dynamic, high-growth field with great job prospects. Piece of cake. But we're not always so lucky to be in love with this thing that's going to have this wonderful outcome. If you're not so lucky, then maybe what you do is you make your major your minor so you can still study what you love and you find an area that interests you and has a bright future. And then you can make that your major. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. What sometimes works even better is an MBA or a law degree on top of that uh, major and minor that you selected and allows you to have a great career that you just love and 
got everything that you need in order to go far. Something you're passionate about and something that you've got that's, that's going to give you a high ROI. There's a couple of career categories here. And we've got some high growth categories, something like artificial intelligence, blockchain, crypto, data science. Now just think 10, 20 years ago, those fields didn't exist. And, and those fields are just brand new. So if they are hot and they are really kind of penetrating all aspects of society, it's, it's going to be a, a high growth field. If those don't interest you, there's always in demand but stable fields. Accounting, computer science, engineering, medicine. Those are all very stable, excellent jobs. Maybe not generational wealth is going to be created because you're not going to, you know, be the next person that creates Google or, or invents the next iPhone, but you're still going to have a great life. Third category, these historic underperformers. Historic underperformers, education, journalism, liberal arts, visual arts. I know it sounds like I'm kind of beating up on the arts and I'm not. I'm, I'm just looking at the data and reporting the facts. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have a degree in humanities. Love it. And I have a great career. But historically, this field has a low or negative ROI. My degree is in speech communication, primarily classical rhetoric. Yeah, I don't know what that really means. And my father never understood what it meant either. But, you know, I was able to take my ability to read, write, and present and create a career from that. I think that I have the perfect career for what I do. But when I was going to school, the prospects where all I was going to do was ever be a teacher. Nothing wrong with that, but you just have to understand what it is that you're getting yourself into. Let me give you a, a real life case study here. It's a, someone I know, Emily, and it's just, she was able to blend her art and her business career. So Emily was this amazing artist and you would never know by the looks of extensive portfolio that she was just a high school student. She had great stuff. She was, she was wonderful. Besides her keen sense of art, she was actually really natural and gifted leader. And she was able to get kids to do things with her and for her. She's really one of these just great kids. Wanted desperately to go into art, but she knew the negative ROIs associated with art degrees. So rather than impoverish herself, she decided to make art and design. So instead of just art, she went art and design. And... Because that was her passion, she went ahead and kept it in her schooling and she made that her minor. And then because she had a good sense of leadership and business acumen, she decided to pursue a major in marketing. Now, one of the things that she did while she was in college, she worked at every art studio she could find. And she eventually landed a, a pretty good job at an art department at a museum. After college, she got her MBA the art museum paid for it because she was a great worker. And she used her experience at studios and museums to land a job at an interactive children's museum. So after 15 years in various museums, she landed this perfect dream job as the director of interactive art exhibits at one of the top museums around. She's responsible for managing her staff, which is 25 people. And she also got to determine what art and interactive exhibits to for the museum's uh, future. 
She had to calculate budgets, handle marketing. But in the end, she was still attached to art. She was still able to do the things that she loved, but she had this other experience that helped give her a meaningful career. If it wasn't for something like this 5-10-20 rule and understanding and calculating future outcomes, Emily would be a truly a starving artist. But being able to blend the two really has given her a fantastic career. Got other hundreds and hundreds of other students in very similar situations who just took a look at what the future outcome and plan for their future instead of just looking at how do I get into college. I hope this was helpful. There's a lot of information, but please go to my website, ingeniouslearning.com. You're going to go to the college prep section and you're going to see a, a link that says it's college worth it and you're going to be able to find all the information there. All right. Thank you for listening. I'm Mike Flynn with Ingenious Learning and good luck with designing your child's future. 